Hey, this is Arif Rahman. Uh, I'm a Bangladeshi blogger currently living in the UK. And I certainly do not listen to I Doubt It with Dalmar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This 258th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. Sitting across from me, lovely like always, the beautiful, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. How are you, Jesse D? <laughs> I think you know well that I'm not doing. I think you. I think uh, you know I'm not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I didn't know that you were having an issue cognitively. I guess I now I know I. Yeah, this is not going well. <laughs> Although, you know, maybe the because you're having a clumsy day. Let's just say that you're having a very yeah. clumsy day. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> all, all that and I don't feel well. Uh huh. About every I'm taking naps all day long. Every other nap I wake up from, my throat is more and more scratchy. I can't be sick the week of Thanksgiving because all of the weight and the responsibility of Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> yeah. lies on my shoulders. Sure does. It rests upon the mighty structure that is the shoulders of Jesse D. Uh-huh. <laughs> and because you, you're no help. I'm not. You're going to sit around and drink mimosas all day and then reap the rewards of the meal. I can't wait. That I prepare. It's going to be great. <laughs> but the reason I'm clumsy, it's a clumsy day for me is, I'm sure the audience, everybody in the audience at some point has kicked the corner of a wall or the corner of a door or the corner of the goddamn coffee table, as in my case. And I did it today. I think I broke my toes. I think I broke two of my toes on my foot. So you really you really do think that? I, oh, yeah, yeah. It's I, 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 I effed him up real, real nice. So badly. Apparently, I walked into the coffee table... With such fervor that I have bloody stumps for two of the toes on my feet. Yeah, well, you... Or two of the toes on one of my feet. Yeah, well, you rammed your foot into the table the first time, and... Yeah, and then... They were bleeding, and then you rammed them into the table the second time. Yeah. And then they were bleeding again. So I don't know why you're punishing your toes in this way. What did they do to you? I don't... I don't understand how... I'm not aware, like my feet are just flailing around down there, just hoping that they find the path on which to go. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm directing them. Hey, hey guys, down there, way down. I, I realize there's, you know, six foot three inches of distance between, well, maybe not quite that much between my mouth and my feet. Uh-huh. But, or my brain and my feet, certainly, I guess, because my mouth isn't saying audibly, hey guys, mind that you don't smash into coffee tables. Uh huh. It is a cognitive thing. Yeah. I don't know, but it's. I'm definitely a gimpy, limpy, bloody mess in the foot area. <laughs> well, hopefully we can make it through. Do you mm. think you can make it through? Yeah. Well, of course, of course. I'm. I'm the 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 ever optimistic 
guy. Yeah. Well, we also, we do want to apologize because we missed the midweek show last week and we had several messages, you know, what's going on, guys? And, um... Well, because we we had announced we were going to do it. Right. And then we ended up not doing it. Right. So we do want to apologize. However, we know that you guys are awesome and patient with us. As always. Yeah. Ever, ever patient. And listen, there's only three weeks left in my semester. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then things will be much, much better. And then we'll have to worry about what schedule will be brought to bear next semester well i'm taking fewer classes and focusing on my thesis next semester oh, good. so things good. should be a little a little easier and hopefully in that time i won't have my my right foot amputated and then be hobbling around on a stump because that's just going to be a bummer for everybody really it yeah, would be it's yeah. no good yeah especially you <laughs> all right well let's get on with this because we did miss an episode it is going to be a little herky-jerky because every time we skip um, skip a midweek show, there's just a whole lot that happens and it's hard to get to it all. So we're going to address what I believe are the, uh, are, the, are the high points or the low points, as it were. And then if we happen to remember anything else that is tangentially related, we'll bring it up. Let's first, though, start with some voicemails and some emails because that is always the way... We do it. Hello, Justin and Brittany. My name is Aaron. I'm probably your most unlikely listener as uh, you guys are probably the only podcast I listen to that's not related to rap music. I'm a 27-year-old black guy that lives in Georgia. Um, You made a great point about... Thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, the people <laughs> electing Hillary Clinton. And, you know, so that says that, you know, most of our neighbors, as you said, aren't bigots and, you know, racist and all this extra stuff. But the Electoral College put this guy in the presidency, put him in that seat. So what does that say about those people that are sitting at that table closer to that power? Love the show. Keep up the good work, guys. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. We happen to love, we have a deep affinity for 27-year-old black guys from Atlanta, Georgia on this show, and we really want to thank you for listening. The other thing, I would correct you. I, I would say that this is a rap music podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. All right. I think it shocked you with that yeah, one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh. Let me say something about the Electoral College that is really getting under my goddamn skin at every turn. Uh-oh. Recently. It's these people who just don't understand what's at stake here. Or they don't understand exactly how it works. And they say, well, listen, and, and, before I move on, <clears throat> let me clear my throat because I'm sick. And let me, let me reiterate to the audience that I grew up in a small, tiny, tiny town in northern Idaho. I understand what a small state, population-wise, has to lose and has to gain from the Electoral College. But what's not being talked about, and what you should bring with you to your dinner parties or your ball games or your get-togethers, and you have friends and family who want to talk about the Electoral College and what would be lost if we got rid of it, is this. A state like Idaho 
tens of thousands of people voted for Hillary Clinton in Idaho. Because more than half of the vote went for Donald Trump, all of the Electoral College votes go to Donald Trump. So effectively, tens of thousands of votes were wasted. They don't count for Hillary Clinton. That's a problem. Effectively, you're disenfranchising. Let's use Texas as a better example. A state where Hillary Clinton probably got three or four million votes for pre- the presidency. The 3.8 million. 3.8, okay. Brittany's on top of things. So Donald Trump won the state of Texas and gets all of their electoral votes. So 3.8 million people in Texas they didn't get their vote to count for Hillary Clinton because all of the votes went to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So that's the other part of this that's not getting talked about when people talk about, oh, all they talk about is the states. You're going to take the voice away from the state. I don't care about the state. I care about the residents in the state who took time out of their day to take part in the sacred electoral process in this country, and they effectively are being disenfranchised. That's a problem. This, we don't need the Electoral College because it was a, a limit of the technology at the time. And we don't have those limits anymore. It needs to be done away with. Thanks for the call, Aaron. I, I hope that I roundabout <laughs> answered your question. We appreciate you calling in very very much. All right, next up, I'm not sure there's a name attached to this voicemail. Hey, Jesse and, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Brittany. How dare you? Um, I am calling because uh, I... Re- wow. I think he may have called you Bill. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Tremendous disrespect. Hey, Jesse and, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Brittany. Oh. Um, I am calling because uh, I've recently been keeping up with you guys for the last year. I feel pretty confident in you guys' judgment and you guys' perspective. You offer great perspective. So um, I'm calling mostly to weigh in some of my, uh, you know, some of my two cents to your guys' conversation because I think it's a great conversation. Well, um, I wanted to talk about the new stuff with Kanye West uh, bringing up his little speech during his concert. And I think... Um, what would be important for us to talk about is... Do you see, Brittany? We are a rap music podcast. <laughs> this is proof. Yeah. Part and parcel to what I was saying earlier. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Rap music. Uh, when Kanye West was talking about his speech and about racism, I, I got a major hint of this tolerance for intolerance. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that we cannot tolerate intolerance to other people when it comes to racism. We cannot accept that racism is okay, that racism is just part of the world. We need to combat it in order to allow ourselves the ideal of um, of equality. We cannot just accept that. Um, for people to accept that is, in a lot of ways, just kind of rolling over on your belly and just getting up in the middle of a struggle. Um, it's not okay. It's not. It's not right. Um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, whether they're Trump supporters or Hillary supporters, um, you know, I think a lot of people like to bring this into the equation when it comes to racism between the two parties. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously Hillary Clinton 
uh, campaign uh, in the past has shown racism with the predatory statements. And then we've got uh, Donald Trump, who's making up current um, racial remarks as he goes along. So when you look at these two things, it's important for us to condemn both of these things and to acknowledge that racism is not okay. So I figure I put my two cents on that. Um, I also figure I may as well put my two cents on the idea that, um, you know, how Hillary Clinton lost. I think one of the most important things that people keep overlooking is that, uh, you know, people talk about her current campaign. People talk about the deplorable statement that she made. People talk about how Donald Trump was, you know, anti-establishment. I think one of the most important things that people tend to forget was that Hillary Clinton had a rebellion within the Democratic Party. That was the Bernie Sanders rebellion. That that division within the within it did create a, a, a spasm. But more in particular, that's where the protests a lot of the times are coming from. It's people that were Bernie Sanders supporters that had been screwed over by the establishment, and they were screwed over by the presidential election where all these protests are coming from. So a lot of this failure on Clinton's campaign stems off from division within our own party. So I, I think it's great that we're all talking about, you know, being against Donald Trump, but I think it's more important for us to, to discuss what is happening within our own party equally as much as we talk about Donald Trump. We need to talk about how do we reform our, our party? How do we work out the kinks within our party? Oh, you see what happens when you go over three minutes? Uh-oh. Google. Google Voice, which is the number. <laughs> Takes care of biz. It was good, though. He Very was good. on a roll. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything. I mean, I, I don't really think I need to address Kanye. Kanye's a fucking... He's an attention whore. Kanye, who after Katrina stood up and said George Bush doesn't care about black people but then says he didn't vote, but if he had voted, he would have voted for Donald Trump. He is irrelevant. Kanye West is fucking irrelevant. Who cares? Who cares? I didn't vote. It's the same thing with this Kaepernick deal. After I went to bat for Kaepernick, and he's making this political statement, and then announces, yeah, I didn't vote. Come on. You know, I'm Come gonna on. I'm to differ from you here, because I, I care a lot about what Kanye West says. <laughs> Yeah, I just look. Here's the other thing. I think sometimes when you you grow up with nothing and then you end up with you know unimaginable wealth like like Kanye West and um, that wife of his, uh, Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. That wife of his. Well, you know what I mean. Just uh -huh. those, that pair of people. Ugh. They they they're the embodiment of la largely what is wrong with America. Did she not have money at one point? Oh no no, no. I'm talking about him. Though, oh specifically. okay. Uh -huh. He's in a bubble now. He doesn't live like a normal person. He doesn't have real fears and real stressors that everyday Americans have. And I, I don't even know that I would believe that he would have voted for Donald Trump. I think he, it's it's provocative, so he says it. Well, he's starting this feud with Beyonce now, so. Well, that's a losing battle. <laughs> Do not fuck around with my Beyonce. <laughs> Uh-oh, you're getting Jesse D. bothered here. I don't know if the audience knows I have an affinity for Beyonce. You love Beyonce. I fucking love Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. My best friend just found out about this not six <laughs> months ago. Yeah. And was shocked. It's been a secret love affair with Beyonce. She doesn't know about it. It's, it's kind of a one-sided thing. Of course thing. she does not know about it. She's Beyonce. <laughs> she doesn't have time for you. Right. Anyway, uh, again, that's kind of a reminder, everybody. 
when you call in to 657-464-7609, you got to keep your comment to fewer than three minutes. Otherwise, yeah, minutes, that's right. <laughs> uh, otherwise, Google's going to cut you the fuck off. So thank you both for the call. The second call, we didn't get a name. So thank you, anonymous, secretive guy. Yeah. We appreciate probably it. Probably Bill. We do have some emails, though. Yes, this is from Kathleen. After listening to the bonus episode with Mark Trailer, I accidentally wrote a book when hashing out my feelings on this topic. All to say, I struggle with waving a flag that even closely resembles the patriarchal abusive control of people throughout history. Ultimately, I know that my life and views really have nothing to do with their bullshit. Thanks for having Mark on the show. Looking forward to getting his book. That's awesome. Yeah, so of course she's talking about... Mark Trailer, the bonus episode we did, and his book, Radicalizing Peace, which is available on Amazon, and it's available for pre-order right now, and available for order on November if 22nd. You go, if you just go to dollamore.com to his episode, the bonus episode, I put in the show notes right on the website a link to click and go buy his book that, you know, in full disclosure, it does, it is links you through our Amazon affiliate, so we get a little bit of that too. Yeah. I got to be honest about it. I know. So Kathleen's message continues. Oh, I thought it was over. Sorry, Kathleen. <laughs> In my efforts to help bring things to center. Listen, any chance I get to talk about Amazon.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> I run into two problems constantly. One, I spend some time every day on right-wing news sources and individuals to keep my horizon broad, but feel like it is not helping and is bad for my blood pressure. Where can one go to gain a variety of information, and how can one keep cool while filtering the bullshit? Two, most of my friends and family members simply will not engage in conversation. Unless, of course, it's in echo chambers on Facebook, and the conversation tends to shut down when faced with a different perspective. My mom either changes the subject or falls silent until I change the subject. Seems pretty impossible to help open the minds of these very defensive loved ones, and I'm reminded of that while conservatives call the Hamilton cast post-show to address Mike Pence a quote-unquote attack. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm ridiculous that whole thing which i don't have audio of we're not really going to get like maybe we're going to get into it but um the 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 vice president-elect gay hating systematically oppressive uh vice president-elect mike pence went to hamilton the other night i'm sure you've seen this our audience is awesome and informed and uh i'm sure you've seen this and heard it and at the very end they call him out they say hey listen they, the, the audience kind of booed him when they said he was in the audience and he was leaving. They go, no, just before you leave, wait. We have one thing. And he, he had a prepared statement. He had a little piece of paper that he read that said, we're, we're fearful of the representation we're going to receive from your future administration. Please remember us is ultimately what he said. And uh, I don't think it was an attack at all. I think it was a pointed um, reading between the lines kind of criticism. But he's the one who chose to run for office. he That's his job now is to face public scrutiny. Right. It's not an attack. It's speech. Yeah, all these idiots are saying, oh, they, they need to apologize to him. No, they don't. That was how it works. He stood there and listened to them. And then he went on his merry way. And as did they. That's fine. But let's let's get back to some of her other points. Listen, I, I would say, unless you, you want to go first, Brittany... I would say that uh, you just got to keep at it with your family. 
do it in love, do it out of respect. Um, give them, give it in doses that they can take. If your mom starts shutting down, then it's time to shut it down. But you need to keep at it. Always in love, always with respect. But here's the deal with these types of people who either shut down or just don't communicate anymore. It means you're getting at them. You're getting to them. Mm-hmm. That the facts I do. Well, why would they shut down if they think they're going to be proven wrong? Because they don't want to hear it. There's a lot of people who just don't want to hear it, though. For what reason? I believe that the reason they don't want to hear it is important. And you think they cognitively know that. They're saying, I don't want to hear this. Well, maybe not consciously. Because it's going to prove me wrong. Yeah, when you come with facts and someone, they don't want to hear it because it, it will rock their worldview. It's the same with Christi- when I was coming out of Christianity. Things that, that, that were abrasive to that worldview, I didn't want to hear. I was aggressive about not wanting to hear it. I I think you're giving people a lot of credit. Um, I think that most of the time, any disagreement is perceived as an attack. And you have that, that right here with this perfect yeah, lesson that, with Mike Pence. That could be too. Any disagreement is perceived as contentious, perceived as an attack. And I hope that as a society, we can kind of normalize disagreement Yeah. by engaging in it more. Well, we definitely need to n- normalize dissent overall because it's how things get done yeah and it's speech and i mean you know mike pence was <laughs> they didn't stand on the stage and call him the c-word you know he they were trying to deliver a message to him he wasn't attacked right verbally or physically there he wasn't even surrounded i mean it they was just, stood on stage and said it it's absurd yeah so like you're saying i i would say you know when the family members shut it down Kathleen yeah you know back away maybe because you don't want to ruin relationships and we all know that disagreement can sometimes go there because people can't handle it um but keep trying in a, in a cordial yeah. way and then as it relates to the where can you go to get a variety of information <laughs> um I don't know what right-wing news sources you're reading um I would love to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, if you're talking about like conspiracy sources, I would say don't Yeah. don't visit those. It's not even worth reading that. I mean, it's like not even worth reading Breitbart, it's not even worth listening to what Milo Yiannopoulos says. It's it's not worth listening to these people. Yeah. I, I would say maybe pay attention to like uh, the Weekly Standard or or even Fox News maybe just to catch their headlines and see what's going on on that other side. But you don't have to stay completely abreast of conservative news because there is an agenda there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not necessarily something that you have to keep in your head at all times. Mm-hmm. The other thing would be don't unfriend conservative people on Facebook. Right. Let let their nuttiness see what the the, the, <laughs> the idiocy that they're sharing. You know, no, I can I can critique it and say it's stupid and still keep them around. Right, and then. <laughs> Kathleen, when you said, how can one keep cool while filtering the bullshit? Well, you can talk to your friends. You can listen to I Doubt It. Yeah. You can process that shit. You can visit Amazon.com <laughs> and do some shopping. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jesse is soulless, everybody. <laughs> I'm teasing. Okay, we have a message from Brian. All right, Brian. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Here's a short rant about the proposed Muslim registry I felt was worth sharing. Is this the last email? Yes. Okay, because this will lead us right into our first topic, 
I tell you what, we're going to save this email until Dollamocracy because I want to get to the ban of sarcasm in North Korea because that'll lead us right into the Steve Bannon alt-right craziness and, and the Muslim ban. Okay. Okay? Hold your horses, Brian. We're going to get to you. <laughs> okay. I know you're pissed off. Just calm down over there. I don't think he's pissed off. I think he's perfectly fine. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently a couple months ago, Kim Jong-un decided to ban, and we're not kidding here, ban sarcasm in North Korea, as if that's a thing. They've already like banned haircuts and shit, but they're taking it a step further with banning sarcasm. I don't <laughs> think I would get along very well over there. I <laughs> I would land, I would get off the plane and be like, oh, this is just great. And then I would be tackled and arrested. Yeah, I think the <laughs> I think the sarcasm is specifically as it relates to Kim Jong-un and, and comments about Kim Jong-un. Oh, okay. So while you're listening to the clip that we're going to run here, why don't you think about who this reminds you of? That's right. They don't like criticism of the dear leader. This clip I'm getting ready to play, I want to give them credit. It's from How Stuff Works on... On YouTube, that's their channel, How Stuff Works, and this is a great embodiment of everything we're talking about. Is it really possible to ban sarcasm? We're about to find out. Since reaching an armistice in July of 1953, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, street name North Korea, has existed in a unique geopolitical sphere. For more than half a century, the population has been isolated, impoverished, and subjected to levels of surveillance and state-sponsored terrorism beyond even the dystopian tomes of George Orwell. People, this is 1984 in real life. Many, many crimes are punishable by having not just the offender, but also his or her family family to the third generation carted off to a concentration camp. Most foreign media is banned. Some haircuts are banned. Well, technically only 28 are approved. But anyhow, here's the latest and strangest thing. According to US-owned Radio Free Asia, North Korea is attempting to ban sarcasm. That's right sarcasm, the one you're thinking of, the use of irony to convey contempt or mock someone. At the end of August, central government employees organized mass meetings wherein they warned North Korean citizens that using sarcasm in reference to the government or its hereditary ruler, Kim Jong-un, even in casual conversation, would be an unforgivable offense. It appears, you see, that the supreme leader feels people are only agreeing with him ironically, sort of, you know, yes-manning him, but also making fun of him. Poor guy. This leads us to several questions, the most immediate of which is, how do you actually ban sarcasm? It's such a contextual mode of expression that it's often misread by people who speak the same language fluently. Like you've had somebody be sincere and you think they're being sarcastic or vice versa, it just happens. The North Korean government aims to do this by restricting what they call hostile speech. This includes specific phrases such as, this is all America's fault. At first, that might sound like an odd one to ban, right? But again, it's a matter of context. The citizens of North Korea are using it humorously. Think about it. So someone might stub her toe and say, oh, this is all America's fault. Some guy might be late for work and his boss might say, wow, this is all America's fault. This phrase specifically lampoons the government's tendency to blame internal or unrelated issues on foreign powers, especially the resident boogeyman of North Korean ideology, 
good old Uncle Sam. Think of this is all America's fault as their version of thanks Obama. Using the phrase a fool who cannot see the outside world is also forbidden. Banning a specific phrase is much easier than banning a social mode of expression, but at this stage the act seems more of a desperate move to quell internal uprisings which are occurring more and more frequently. While this law might prevent civilians and officials from saying it to Kim Jong-un himself, censoring speech in this manner tends to give a word or phrase more power than it had in the beginning. And one last thing, although it is very easy to make a few quips about sarcasm and move on, the situation in North Korea is by no means a joke. The people are starving. The government is increasingly testing nuclear weapons to provoke regional and global powers, and the regime stands a very good chance of collapsing, especially as the government of China slowly withdraws its support. Thanks so much for watching. If you'd like to learn more about North Korea, check out my show Stuff They Don't Want You to Know or visit us at now.howstuffworks.com. Thought I'd let him get his plug in there. Mhm. So who does that? Sound like Brittany? Uh, you have somebody in mind? I I don't know. It, it's vaguely familiar, someone who would attack a comedy show for doing a bit about him and you know, in in, in so many words threaten to bring to bear the power of their new position. Yeah. Um Donald Trump. And <laughs> <laughs> this is... I was being a little sarcastic there. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you're, you're bringing up a great example, which just happened last night, which is Saturday Night Live had a skit and they made fun of Donald Trump. And he started tweeting about it again. He's president elect yeah. of the United States of America and has the time somehow to worry about what Alec Baldwin is doing during his impression of Donald Trump on right. Saturday Night Live. He yeah. says, I watched parts of NBC SNL last night. It is totally one-sided, biased show. Nothing funny at all. Equal time for us? Question mark. Like, what the hell for is us? he even talking about? I don't know. Equal time. What is it? A, a classroom in the South where they have to give creationism equal time? I I, I don't understand what he Yikes. means. It's just you. You're the president-elect. <laughs> if you have it there, I want you to read what Alec Baldwin's response was. There's a lot of stuff that could be said, good and bad, about um, Alec Baldwin. But he had an awesome response. Yeah, so he said, equal time, election is over. There is no more equal time. Now you try to be president and people respond. That's pretty much it. You know what I would do if I were president? I'd be focused on how to improve the lives of as many Americans as possible. I'd be focused on improving our reputation abroad, including actually fighting for freedom and not just oil. I would make every effort to retrain Americans so to create jobs. One way you make America great again is to put it back to work. I would make appointments that encouraged people, not generate fear and doubt. I could go on. You want more advice? Call me. I'll be at SNL. <laughs> I've had a lot of criticisms for Alec Baldwin in the past, and I'm sure I will into the future. But that is, that is eloquent and poignant. And needed to be said. I'm sure, you know, thousands of people saw it. He tweet that out? What was that? Yeah. And these are, this is an important thing to talk about because in a leader, you need someone that can take a joke. That, yeah. that doesn't take themselves too seriously. That isn't so narcissistic that they can't handle mockery. Well, you're the president now. You're going to be mocked. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have time to worry about what the hell is being said about you on SNL. Learn how to be president. Yeah, it's unbelievable. 
I mean, it's disturbing and a little scary. Yeah, quit tweeting about it. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So, listen, I'm going to give one day extension on the Thanksgiving episode submissions. We want them to be anonymous. We want them to be heartfelt. Go to the website. Go to Twitter. We have examples there uh, from the YouTube channel and from last year. You can listen to how it turned out to give you kind of a flavor. But you have one more day after today that you're listening right now. It's over. I I, I can't have any more because I have to put this together and splicing it together takes a lot of time and effort, and I need it to do, and then my foot's on the men. You know, that's a whole thing. There's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do that, 657-464-7609. And, of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. Maria, Waylon, Maria, and Stephanie, Waylon, <laughs> and Stephanie. Yes, <laughs> you guys are awesome. You are our latest Patreon supporters, and we would like to thank you for your generous and loving support. Now, listen, we just sent they out. They might be hate donating. I don't know why are you just assuming it's loving. <laughs> Uh, because like, ah, fuck those guys. Here's some money. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> so we just sent out a bunch of stickers and you should be getting them within the next couple of days. We sent out a giant batch. So all except for Stephanie's because that was a last minute edition. Yours will be sent out tomorrow. Yes. So they are the latest stickers without the dick nose. No, Jesse dick nose. Yeah. So you, you can feel Comforted by the fact that you will not be spreading uh, pornographic material wherever you put them. That's right. And send us a picture. Take a picture where they end up. We want to see them. If you put them on your laptop, if you put them on your golf cart, if you put them wherever you put them. These are examples that we've seen. Yeah. Take a picture. I don't assume everybody has their own golf cart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take a picture of them. uh, Put them on the web on our Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast or tweet them to us. I doubt it podcast. And we would love to see them oh and the other thing before we move on is sam this is just a one-on-one message to you brother maybe use a different browser we got an email from sam and the particular amount he's wanting to donate to pledge to the show isn't something's going on it's not allowing it so just either use a different browser or whatever Brittany tried to do it and it worked right and other people donate that amount so i don't I don't know what the issue was, um, but there's always PayPal. There is always PayPal. (laughs) And I'm not sure. I mean, maybe just give it another try. Don't know what's going on with it. It worked for me. So thanks for going through the pain in the ass, though. Yeah, I'm really sorry. It's a bummer. We appreciate it very, very much. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. As briefly mentioned earlier, we were talking about Steve Bannon, who I believe is the chief mouthpiece for white supremacy and white nationalism in our country right now. He is the former head 
of Breitbart.com. He proclaimed it to be the platform for the alt-right. For those of you who aren't quite sure about what the alt-right is, even though we've covered it many times on this show, the even the term alt-right was created by a guy named Richard Spencer, who is an avowed white nationalist, a man who believes that white genocide is taking place. And not like genocide, like in the Holocaust, but if I was to marry and have children with a woman of color and our mixed race babies, that is genocide of the white race because I'm not continuing to have white children with a white woman. That's what they believe. Yeah, and he actually, he recently had his, his Twitter account suspended. He oh, was one like, of like Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, he was one of the people that Twitter removed. And he actually just held a press conference in Washington, D.C. His organization is called the National Policy Institute. Right. And he called this event, Become Who We Are. Okay. <laughs> and I want to I read just a segment from this NPR article because one of the, the chief proposals, right, from the alt-right has to do with immigration. So what they want to do is they hope to push through a 50-year immigration freeze. Okay. A 50-year immigration freeze. Right. With a preference given to European immigrants coming into the U.S. And Richard Spencer said in this interview, the alt-right king. Yeah. I don't know what well, to call he's, him. Well, he, he named him. Yeah. His ultimate goal was to, quote, create a safe space effectively for Europeans, arguing for a return to the white origins of the country and protecting the white race. Right. So when you talk about white genocide, this is just another way right. of illustrating that. That is the viewpoint of the alt-right. Steve Bannon wants his former publication to be the platform for the alt-right. It would almost be more useful if we just stopped saying alt-right and just said a white supremacist. Well, I want the audience to know when they hear alt-right, it's not just some liberal buzzword, although they're racist. The alt-right is racist. It is a white supremacist movement. Yes. That's what it is. Steve Bannon is now the chief strategist for the White House. He is a dangerous, dangerous individual. So dangerous that Glenn Beck believes him to be truly terrifying. I mean, can you draw a clear line between Steve Bannon and, you know, white nationalists and white supremacists? Um, just according to the L.A. Times, um, his quote is, Breitbart is a platform for the alt-right. Then Breitbart describes who the center of thought is, and they are white nationalists. They are, they're, they're spooky guys. Here's a guy who is taking his platform and saying, I'm going to give the alt-right a voice in this country. Anderson, I would never do that. You would never do that. CNN would never do that. We, we would never do that, ever. No responsible person would. The word racism has been thrown around and racist so much to good, decent people that aren't racist. They're just not. And please, I know I'm the most imperfect messenger to bring this to you, but the word has been thrown around about everyone. Um, and so it doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, and, and the problem is, is when you throw a word around like that all the time, then you begin to dismiss the actual racists. And we have to have a discussion, aside from politics, 
about this small group of people and how this this European and really pro-Russian nationalism is seeping into our country. It's very disturbing. And you're this concerned. Is a European style. You're concerned. It is going to become. I mean, we just showed Harry Reid there on the floor. You're concerned. It is just going to be seen as, okay, this is just again one thing, a club being used by one political party yeah. against another, and therefore yes. easily dismissed yes. by conservatives and yes. others who, by by all logic, should reject uh, this very yes. ideology. The, the 99% of those people who voted for Donald Trump are not alt-righters. They are not racist. They've never even heard of the word. I never heard of it until about eight months ago and started doing my research. Um, most people don't even think this exists. So when they hear somebody on CNN or a Harry Reid say this, their immediate response is, oh, geez, okay, right. we're all racist again. And so it's really critical that we don't paint everybody with that brush, including Steve Bannon or Donald Trump, unless you have real evidence. I know we have evidence that he is giving those people voice. He has empowered those people through Breitbart, but that's all we know. I would disagree there. I would disagree with Glenn Beck there that that's all we know. We know from sworn court documents that his wife said in sworn court documents that he doesn't like Jews, didn't want his children going to school with Jews. We know that. That she, under the threat of perjury, under the penalty of perjury, his ex-wife said this. Mm -hmm. We also know the recent comments that he made about kind of relishing this dark persona within the administration, that he's this mysterious figure, he kind of digs it. And the, the, the individuals, whether they be fantasy or reality, that he compared him to are very, very troubling. Well, he said darkness is good before giving examples such as Dick Cheney, Darth Vader, Satan, quote, that's power. It only helps us when they get it wrong when they're blind to who we are and what we're doing. So he compared himself... To Dick Cheney. To, to one real figure... Darth and, Vader. And two imaginary figures. Satan. Darth Vader and Satan. <laughs> the Prince of Darkness. Uh-huh. I, come on. Also a little funny that he compares Satan and Dick Cheney. <laughs> he also reportedly said... Uh, I am Thomas Cromwell in the court of the Tudors. Yeah. Look, there, there's no worse people here. And he's relishing this role. This should come of no, as no surprise to the audience when now there's this talk. Well, it's, it's, it's a, a furtherance of the policy that was talked about and enumerated during the campaign when Donald Trump was talking about a Muslim registry. This is now sparked up again, and you've got the Trump surrogates all out there talking about it, even going as far as to say there's precedence because of the horrible, unethical treatment, immoral treatment of the Japanese during World War II under the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration. Listen to former Navy SEAL Carl Higby on with Megyn Kelly going down this rabbit hole. Of better screening certain Muslim immigrants first came up. One of the big defenders was Carl Higby. He's a former Navy SEAL and a Trump supporter, and he joins us now. Carl, good to see you. So you, you, me, you heard the mayor's position, which is, you know, we just we don't do that kind of thing. We don't create registries 
based on religion. Yeah, well, we have in the past. We've done it based on race. We've done it based on religion. We've done it based on region. And the fact is, he also brings it back as like a constitutionality issue. The problem is, is people outside this country are not protected of the same constitutional rights as we are in America. So you think it's a good idea and you don't care that this is some sort of a slippery slope where Muslims may get just lumped into some group where they get put on a registry and some, you know, some aggressive law enforcement actor in the future might abuse that list. No, absolutely. Look, there's always a case for abuse in this thing. But the fundamental problem here is we have a large faction. Look, look, being a part of the Muslim faith is not a bad thing. And there's plenty. There's, you know, 1.6 billion Muslims out there. Most of them are perfectly good people. But the fact is there is a small percentage of people that have chose to align with an extreme ideology within the faith, and they're doing harm. So we would like to keep tabs on it until we can figure out what's going on. Trump has said, look, it's a, it's a regional-based thing right now. If they're coming into our country, we need to know who they are, where they are, and, and what's going on. Because well, he's trying we need to, to stop. He's trying to stop immigration into the country uh, from countries where there are major terrorist issues and we, until we can figure out what, what's going on. But this seems like something else, which is if you're coming over, I mean, this is just, this is what I'm reading, okay? This is that, um, that, 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 again, the Kansas Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, who helped write the tough immigration laws in Arizona, said today that Trump's policy advisors are drafting, they're discussing drafting a proposal to reinstate a registry for immigrants from Muslim countries for immigrants from muslim countries yeah and, and perfectly perfectly honest it is legal they say it'll hold constitutional muster i know the aclu is going to challenge it but i think it'll pass and we've done it with iran back uh, back a, a while ago we did it during world war ii with japanese which you know call it what you Come will on. maybe, maybe you're, wrong, not, but... you're not proposing we go back to the days of internment camps i hope no 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 i'm not proposing that at all megan but what i am you know saying better is better than that to suggest to that America i mean that's first. that's the kind of stuff that gets people scared carl right but it's, I'm just saying there is precedent for it. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but in this case, I absolutely believe you that a regional base... You can't be citing base... Japanese internment camps as precedent for anything the president-elect is going to do. Look, the president needs to protect America first. And if that means having people that are not protected under our Constitution have some sort of registry so we can understand until we can identify the true threat and where it's coming from, I support it. You, you get the protections once you come here. All right. Carl, good to see you. So, Thank you, Megan. I want everyone to note you you heard the whole thing. There was nothing cut out. He did not at any point say, Megan, I didn't say that word. Yeah, you said that. Megan. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Why did you bring up internment camps? I'm not talking about internment camps. Megan. Megan. <laughs> he didn't say that, but guess what he's claiming now? That he, very thing. Yeah, that, that's not what he meant. Well, let's listen to the short clip really quickly. It's less than 30 seconds of him... That small exchange right there about the Japanese internment camps. Yeah, and, and perfectly, perfectly honest, it is legal. They say it'll hold constitutional muster. I know the ACLU is going to challenge it, but I think it'll pass. And we've done it with Iran back uh, back a, a while ago. We did it during World War II with Japanese, which, you know, call it what you Come will. On. Maybe, maybe you're, wrong, not, but... you're not proposing we go back to the days of internment camps, I hope. No, no, no. I'm not proposing that at all, Megan. But what I am you know saying is that we need to protect that. America I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that gets people scared, Carl. Right. But it's, I'm just saying there is precedent for it, and I'm not saying I agree with it. So now, Carl Higby, former Navy SEAL. Look, th this is just more evidence that just because you were a Navy SEAL mm -hmm. doesn't give you a, a fucking uh, a hall pass to be an asshole in your, in your future life. I can't always just say, oh, I'm a, I was a Marine, so I'm a hero. <laughs> it doesn't count anymore. You can't say irresponsible, stupid things 
like Carl Higby did and expect to take cover under your Navy SEAL pen that you're wearing on your suits so no one, lest someone forget that you were a Navy SEAL. The constant reminder that you've got your Trident pen on your civilian suit now. Hey, everybody, I'm a Navy SEAL. What I say really should be taken seriously. Here he is on on Aaron Burnett's show on CNN completely bullshitting his way. As far as I'm concerned, he's lying about what took place on Megyn Kelly's show. One of the things that's an issue here is whether it's a slippery slope. You start with a list, and then a list can be used for other things. And uh, to, no Fox, well, to Fox and the New York Times, um, you said the Japanese internment camps in the U.S. during World War II could provide precedent for keeping registries. Did uh, you actually see the tape, though? Well, you, you said you didn't support internment camps, but that, that, that their existence could provide precedent for some sort of a registry Actually, of people. Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm curious. Did you see the tape, though? Yes, I did. Okay, we so, all saw it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it, I read your quote in the New York Times. At no point did I ever even mention it. It was actually Megyn Kelly, which I was actually talking about the like uh, immigration reform under... Uh, Carter when he did the, the Iran thing and then also under World War II with Japan many other countries too I wasn't even talking about camps Megan brought it up and I was she, shocked she brought it up but then yeah. you did say it, further to the New York Times that it would be a, a precedent, precedent for, for a registry exactly. so here's the thing I don't actually advocate for any of this I didn't bring it up I was shocked when Megan brought it up I clarified to the New York Times today I said look you know what this is something that is a huge black mark on our, our society and we would never want to do it again but you have to say that that 6-3 to three Supreme Court decision upholding it was never overturned. Should we overturn it? We should take a look at it. What is he proposing? He keeps bringing up FDR and what he did uh, with, with Japanese, Germans. What, what, what is he saying? Every is this not a slippery slope right in that direction? Well, every time he, someone said internment camps, he said absolutely no. He said no, no, no. But he needs to take a look at it. We you know, banned immigration from certain places. We scrutinized it. We registered people coming in from certain places. It is all in the best interest to protect America. And that's what people like the... the the media that went in frenzy today over that doesn't understand. Do you want to be safe or not? Like, he's not trying to hurt anybody. He's just trying to keep you America safe. Making- you know what? Fuck you, Carl Higby. Do you want to be safe or not? Do you want to be safe or not? Yeah, we want to be safe, but we also want our liberties intact. If we give up our liberties, then we're not America anymore. We're not a free country. The sacrifice that you provided in combat for this nation will be for naught if we give up our liberties. Don't be a jackass just because you're you're supporting your orange face Fuhrer. They're taking this further. Newt Gingrich was on Fox News last week talking about bringing back the House on Un-American Activities Committee, which was, if you talk about, if you hear about uh, McCarthyism, Joe McCarthy and the Red Scare, the Communist Scare, if you've watched the movie Trumbo with Great Brian movie. Cranston. Great movie. That is what was taking place. A beautiful illustration. A witch hunt for people of a different political ideology. Different ideas. Listen to Newt Gingrich, a fucking history professor, lauding the virtues of reinstating a un-American activities committee in the House. San Bernardino, Fort Hood, and Orlando involve American citizens. We're going to ultimately declare war on Islamic supremacists, and we're going to say, if you pledge allegiance to ISIS, you are a traitor, and you have lost your citizenship. And we're going to take much tougher positions. 
In the late 1930s, President Franklin Roosevelt was faced with Nazi penetration in the United States. We, we originally created the House Un-American Activities Committee to go after Nazis. We passed several laws in 1938 and 1939 to go after Nazis, uh, and we made it illegal to help the Nazis. We're going to presently have to go take the similar steps here. That's dangerous talk. <laughs> that is scary talk. Stripping away people's citizenship because they don't believe the way the present administration feels. That's a problem. That's un-American. What was the phrase he used there? Islamic supremacists. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't understand how anyone listens to this and just goes about their day. Like, yeah, this is something that's going to happen and it's not a big deal. I mean, what if this was happening to Christians? Absolutely. Ab- it's very scary. If you don't agree with the, the the incoming administration, they're talking about dragging you before Congress and make you explain yourself. Who do you know that associates with Muslims? Who do you know? Do you have Muslim friends? We want you to name names. This was a black mark in our history, folks. This is not something we want to revisit. And it's already starting to creep in. There's a Georgia lawmaker right now who's proposing a ban on the burqa. This potential bill was filed as a prelude to the 2017 Georgia legislative session, and it's not necessarily a new law. It just expands on the current anti-masking law in the state. Uh, what it would do is if it was passed into law was that it would prohibit women from wearing a burqa or veil in their driver's license. The problem, though, is that a law already exists like that. The wording, however, suggests that that restriction would expand to nearly all public places. This is obviously very concerning for Muslim leaders. Last night, I spoke to Imam Sheikh Saladin Wazir, who says that that this is an unnecessary law. And the only reason it's being proposed now is because Donald Trump was elected president. The United States is a champion of peace. The United States is a champion of democracy. And it is not wise at all, uh, the approach. What it does is really is adding the radicals group to easily recruit. The radicals, all they have to say is, look, What they are saying to the Muslim women are discriminating, whereby generating and getting the support from these radicals. And we should not aid and give to the radical a gift. Wazir went on to say that this issue was addressed three to four years ago with the then U.S. attorney, Sally Yates. He thought the issue was put to bed then. Obviously not. What he says, however, is that this could backfire on the lawmaker, Representative Jason Spencer, who says that this is the interest of public safety. We've reached out to Representative Spencer to get clarification on the comments he gave to our affiliate WSB last night, but we have yet to hear back from him. So here's the deal. You, you might be hearing as I am from people harassing me on Instagram and everywhere else, that where has he said this? Where is it? I've, this is only the surrogates. This isn't, Donald Trump has never said anything about a Muslim registry. Well, hold on to your hats, folks, because we've already covered this, and here is the clip again. Beyond database, I mean, we should have a lot of systems, and today you can do it. But right now, we have to have a border, we have to have strength, we have to have a wall. And we cannot let what's happening to this country happen. But that's something your White House would like to implement. Oh, I would certainly implement that. Absolutely. What do you think the effect of that would be? How would that work? 
It would stop people from coming in illegally. We have to stop people from coming in to our country illegally. Muslims specifically, how do you actually get them registered into a database? It would be just good management. What you have to do is good management procedures. And we can do that. It's nice. And do, you for, do you go to mosques and sign these people up into the system? Different places. You sign them up at different, but it's all about management. Our country has no management. Who's is that? Would they have to legally be in this database? Would they be there outside? They have to be. They have to be. Let me just tell you that the key is people can come to the country, but they have to come in legally. Thank you very much. There it is. He's talking about the implementation and the management of a database system registering Muslims in this country. Dangerous talk, folks. Right from the horse's goddamn mouth. This isn't Rudy Giuliani in a crazed freak show on CNN. This isn't Newt Gingrich. This is right from the president-elect's mouth. This is a serious issue. So use this as ammunition. Use this information when people ask you. When they say, oh, I'm, I've never heard him say that. He's never really said that. Yes, he has. And I just realized uh-huh. that we skipped Brian's email. Sure did. So... Brian, here you go. (laughs) Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Here's a short rant about the proposed Muslim registry I felt was worth sharing. So president-elect Mango Man Baby wants to (laughs) register Muslims, and people will be okay with it because most terrorists are Muslims. Really? Globally, maybe, but most mass shootings slash terrorist attacks committed in the United States are, in fact, not committed by Muslims. Quote, but the Quran calls for Muslims to kill non-believers, you might say, and you would be right. So does the Old Testament and the New Testament back in the days when the Bible was considered law. We call them days the Dark Ages. There was a whole lot of state-sponsored mass murder going on in the name of Jesus Christ. Back even further, in the times before Christ, there were a whole lot of Jewish people murdering the hell out of a whole lot of heathens. Most Jewish people, Christians, and Muslims are not terrorists. Most would not oppress or kill you, given the chance, and have an excuse. Almost all Jewish, Christian, and Muslim people are good people. The root cause of religious violence is not so much a belief in God, but theocracies, like Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia. You know, countries with laws based on religion, like what the incoming administration wants to do here in the United States, starting with a Muslim registry. Boom. That's it. Well, maybe that was better reading it at the end. It kind of sums up everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I'm a turd. I forget shit. You sure do. Now he's really pissed off. He was pissed off earlier. Now he's enraged. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, we, again, we thank you. That'll just give me an excuse to, to talk about the phone number and the email address. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Those are ways to communicate with the show and to submit your, your, your Thanksgiving submission, the things for which you are thankful, a heartfelt, listen, this is an opportunity to spread some positivism to our global audience because people aren't really feeling great right now. This is one of the reasons why we've had to poke and prod this year. I think people are generally kind of down. I also want to read uh, Renia's email. If I can, because it actually ties really well with everything that was just said. 
Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I've tried to be respectful and measured in this whole process, and it's very difficult, but I think I'm done with that because we've passed a point where respect is no longer an option. We're talking about flagrant disrespect. We're talking about racism, hate, xenophobia, Islamophobia, and enough is e fucking enough. This is about registries and internment camps and putting civil rights in jeopardy, and that type of shit makes me real disrespectful because it can't be defended or tolerated. Too many people fought too hard for too long and sacrificed everything for what little rights minorities do have, and a lot of us are still fighting. Many lost their lives during the fight, and I can't speak for the rest of my generation, but I can't and won't idly stand by while Donald Trump destroys what so many extraordinary men and women fought and died for. Love the show. Brittany, you're the best. Jesse, you're still my favorite. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So that's pretty much a mic drop. That is a mic drop. <laughs> Listen. <clears throat> God damn. I-, I need to get one of those buttons that says I will I will fuck someone up if I see them being bigoted or hateful or racist toward you. Because listen, this this appeals to the lower level Jesse. To that animalistic lizard brain Jesse. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there's any other way to fight racism than with a good ass kicking. And if if I was to see a maniac in a in a Starbucks like that videotape of a guy going crazy and acting like an asshole, I might grab him and use his face to open the door while throwing him the fuck out. I don't know how to deal with it. I get very, very frustrated and pushed to that level that I don't like to be at. I don't like to be an angry, scary, on the verge of violence guy. I know you, you're you not a fan of that, Jesse, either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that Jesse goes to jail. Yeah, well, Jesse would probably go to jail. But how else? Do you combat this kind of this kind of attitude? You can't rationalize someone out of being a racist prick. Scary times. Scary times. It's the asshole of today. So my girl, Megan Kelly, is not asshole of today. Um, but the asshole of today is Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. And I have to talk about Megan Kelly in order to kind of describe what is going on here. So Megan Kelly and Bill O'Reilly have long been in a feud. That's what people say, that they don't get along. Well, because she's challenging him. The, his throne yes. over at Fox News. She is the most successful anchor at Fox News right, right now. So he doesn't like that. But he also doesn't like that Megyn Kelly just published a book called Settle for More. I haven't read it yet, but I am planning to read it despite the fact that the title is based on a Dr. Phil quote. Ugh. Um, She is making the rounds on the talk shows and discussing the things that are in her book. One of the things in her book is the sexual harassment that she received from Roger Ailes. Right. And she went public with this story after Gretchen Carlson filed her lawsuit and Roger Ailes left Fox News. Now that she is making the rounds talking about this, Bill O'Reilly is not very happy about it. The day loyalty. This morning, James Patterson and I were on CBS this morning discussing Give Peace a Chance. When the conversation shifted to some problems the Fox News Channel had earlier this year. 
I was not amused. I've got a country that's in a transition, political transition. All right. I've got a kid's book that I want millions of kids to look at. That's what I'm interested in, not making my network look bad. But if your network is affected by it. Excuse me, I feel a little All right. here. And I have, I, Are you okay? Nora and I have, have, have known each other forever. You guys don't want and, your And we're Irish people. Bad <laughs> and I, I felt the I Irish heat, Bill O'Reilly. Right? That's why I made it clear. I mean, look, it's open season. Let's whack the Fox News channel. I've had enough of it. It's a good place to work, all right? You're a dude. So here's the deal. If somebody is paying you a wage, you owe that person or company allegiance. If you don't like what's happening in the workplace, go to Human Resources or leave. I've done that. And then take the action you need to take afterward if you feel aggrieved. There are labor lawyers in this country. But don't run down the concern that supports you by trying to undermine it. Factor tip of the day. Loyalty is good. And that is it for us tonight. Yeah. Apparently, loyalty is good even after someone has physically come on to you several times despite you rejecting them repeatedly. And then after you reject them, they say, when's your contract up? And then make another physical move on you. In the same sentence, while you're trying to be get away from being kissed. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, that is exactly what happened to Megyn Kelly. And then you have Bill O'Reilly here saying that she's making the network look bad, talking about how she was sexually harassed in the workplace. She should be grateful that she has a job. Yeah, so... Not that it's a transactional relationship. Yeah. Not that you provide a service, they provide some money. It's an even swap. They're not doing her a fucking favor. So Megyn Kelly, not one to back down from a challenge, is featured on another segment today. Taking care of biz. Megan Kelly <laughs> is taking care of biz because she responded directly to Bill O'Reilly and his claim that she is making the network look bad. She did an interview with Anderson Cooper, and this is just a little clip of that. I saw something Bill O'Reilly said, you know, I guess he's promoting a book saying something about, you know, you could have gone to HR. It seemed like Roger Ailes controlled HR. I mean, that... that and that's the situation, you know, many women face. It, yeah. It's not so easy to just say, oh, yeah, well, I'll just go to, you know, a superior and tell them. Thank you for recognizing that. Um, that's exactly right. And I lay it out in the book because I think this is a real problem at many companies. And I want people to be put on notice. I'm hoping CEOs will hear this message and say, you know what, man, maybe I have set this problem in my own company. And i got to provide a safe off-ramp for women who feel too scared to report it. They don't always feel comfortable going to the general counsel or to HR. you got to have somebody, I would say, outside of the company who doesn't depend on the CEO for his or her paycheck, to whom the women, and it can happen to men too, can go to report. And at Fox News, it's very true that Roger Ailes was very much a king of sorts. And this is all laid out in the book in that he had founded the company, he had co-founded the company, and he had loyalists placed throughout the company, and he demanded loyalty. I mean, O'Reilly speaks of loyalty. That is the culture that Roger demanded, that that should be placed above all other things. And I would submit that that is part of what created the problem we had for some time there. And I am very happy that now that's been addressed and the actual owners of the company, the Murdochs, have come in, and as soon as this was brought to their attention, 
they got rid of him, and have created a new situation over there. In another interview, Megyn Kelly also said, no, Roger Ailes is the one that made the company look bad. Yeah. So a lot of people have said, listen, she went on with Charlie Rose and she gave this interview and she praised Roger Ailes and what he did for her career and she only had glowing things to say. Okay. How does that take away from the story or what happened? It's exactly right. And as Megyn Kelly tells it, it's a complex world. She was sexually harassed. She went to her supervisor. They said, listen, he's he's just smitten with you. Keep your distance and this will kind of die down. That's what happened. It did die down. She asked around. Did this happen to other women? She couldn't find any other women it happened to. If Maybe she, because of that loyalty thing that they're talking about. Right. Yeah. And, and so people have been faulting her too. Well, if Megan would have stood up, and come forward, maybe things would have been different for other women. Well, as she tells the story, she tried to find other women. And maybe she would have come forward to protect other people, but she didn't find them. This was also her first year at the company. She wasn't Megan Kelly. That she, she is was, now. She was Megan Kelly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Now she's this powerful figure. Right. She has the power, but then she didn't have the power. And I think anyone who's making these honestly hateful claims about her story don't understand the complexity of a situation when you are sexually harassed in the workplace, especially by a man yeah. who runs the place, yeah, yeah. who is far more powerful than you. For sure. So ultimately, Megan Kelly is doing the right thing, coming forward and telling her story. And she's still being shamed by powerful men like Bill O'Reilly, wanting her to shut her mouth. And guess what? She's not going to. So she is taking care of biz. Awesome. And in, it's the first in tandem segment. Yes. Asshole of today, taking care of biz. <laughs> All right. With that beautiful cohesion, we're going to leave you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do. Listen, it's Christmas time, everybody. If you're going to do some shopping, go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, and that'll redirect you right through to Amazon. You can do all kinds of Christmas shopping, Chanukah shopping, whatever holiday you happen to celebrate. This season of the year, we would love to have a little piece. If you're going to spend your money anyway, why not help your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment? We will see you next time for our family-friendly, profanity-free, positive Thanksgiving episode. You have only a few hours to get your submissions in, I'll drop the phone number one more time before we let you go. 657-464-7609. Or, of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Like, ah, fuck those guys. Here's some money. Yeah, that doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all. <laughs> 